these are to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show, everyone. Time to go upon further review. That means I've looked at the All-22 film. I've examined it. I've broke it down. I found my coaching points you know, that I want to talk about. And there was a lot to unpack in this game. Yes, there's a lot of good that happened. There's a lot of uh, negative as well because it was a tale of two halves. The San Francisco 49ers struggled in the first half, and they struggled mightily. Even though they did some good things on offense and they made some big plays on defense, they just were getting absolutely gashed by the Detroit Lions. Now, you flip that to the second half, and it's all 49ers. 49ers were making the plays. Things were bouncing their way. They were executing at the level at which they anticipated to do the entire game. But there were adjustments that were made in the game as well. Kyle Shanahan and Steve Wilkes determined what they were going to be doing in the second half and adjusted be able to handle what Detroit had been presenting them. And with it came some good stops on defense, some big plays on offense, and ultimately a 49ers win. But there are not players uh, that came out of this game without some things to work on. Lots of guys are going to have to look in the mirror and say, hey, I should have played better than that, whether that's in the first half or the second. And there's some coaching points to help them get that far. So we're going to examine Steve Wilkes and the things that he did in the game and what happened in that first half and why he could be a little bit better. And also we're going to say, Hey, look what he did in the second half and give him credit for the adjustments that he made. Also, there's a lot of conversation about chase young people saying chase young needs to be benched or will be benched. Uh, I don't think he's going to be benched, but I will be very critical of what I saw in the game, both good and bad. And Ambry Thomas as well. The 49ers might have a question mark at cornerback. Of course, last week against the Green Bay Packers, it was through the passing game. This week, looks like it was a little bit in the running game. So the 49ers might be caught in a little bit of a pickle there. Do you go Logan Ryan at nickel corner? Uh, He played pretty good. Do you go Isaiah Oliver at nickel corner? What is your decision there? The 49ers are going to have to make one. I'm guessing they're going to stick with Ambry Thomas, but I don't know for sure. But I think in this episode, we're just going to examine some of the things that I saw on film look at some of the things the 49ers can get better at as they work towards getting better to play Kansas City. Because guess what? It's going to be an elite caliber quarterback that's waiting for you in the Super Bowl. And the 49ers know what that means. They've squared up with Patrick Mahomes before. Yes, there's different coaches. There's different players. But there's an idea of what you have to do to limit Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Isaiah Pacheco, Rasheed Rice, and all the playmakers they have on offense. They have a good offensive line as well. So the 49ers know they have to get better. You can't allow the struggles that you've had over the last two weeks to travel with you to Las Vegas. And the truth is, you've seen it in Green Bay, and then you saw it last week against Detroit. There is a problem in the run game for the 49ers on the outside. They just have to get better in that category. We're going to talk about it, what they can do to get better, what things we noticed. It's going to be a lot of fun. Like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already on the Push for 5K almost there 70 subscribers away if you're listening on audio platform audio platform is 49ers cutback on believe please give it a five star rating and if you're gonna bet 
you're going to bet on the Super Bowl, bet with Bet Online. Uh, it's time to go to Vegas, and the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs are going to meet in a big time Super Bowl battle. Bet Online is your number one source for playoff football odds, stats, trends, and lines. With everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props, head to Bet Online today and stay updated on all the action. Bet Online, the game starts here. And we're going to get started with the defense because I think the defense is probably the most polarizing of the two sides of the football. Everyone can look at the 49ers and say, even though they only scored seven points in the first half, look at the offensive explosion in the second half. But we're going to get into the offense as well because there were opportunities for more points, uh, but for various reasons, whether that's a Jake Moody field goal or even just you know having some plays they couldn't execute, some pressure with the offensive line, it didn't work. But on the defensive side of the football, the first thing I noticed after going through the film was it wasn't just Wilkes, right? It wasn't just the defense as far as scheme. It was also lack of execution. There were plays, and I thought actually Kyle Shittenden did a really good job in his presser yesterday where he's talking to the media of explaining that there were guys uh, that weren't executing at a high level on the Jamison Williams reverse touchdown. And it was very clear. Uh, there were guys who did not come up and be the force player and turn that play in. And then the guys who were uh, chasing weren't getting vertical enough. They're running horizontal. And when you run horizontal, you create running lanes, but you also create space. You have to squeeze those plays off. It's all about getting downhill, getting to your spot, and making these guys feel suffocated. Now, that play was always going to work because they dialed it up perfectly for what the 49ers were doing on defense. So props to Detroit. That play was going to work. But it should have worked for like 8 to 10 yards, not a touchdown. And I think that's exactly what the 49ers want is, hey, sometimes they're going to get you, but you have to limit the effectiveness and you can't allow those explosive plays. Now, Detroit was second in the, lead in, in the league in explosives, and they got a big one in that. But I think that was the first time I really noticed like, wow, lack of execution is really going to hurt the 49ers. You even had Ambry Thomas run into Jair Brown with no one around him giving up space to offensive linemen and just kind of backpedaling away from them or running left and right away from them instead of going ahead and getting where you're supposed to get and plugging your lane that you're supposed to be in. So I thought that was a real problem. Also alignment. I think the 49ers defensive line and linebackers weren't getting the correct alignment against what Detroit was doing on offense, which allowed really good run lanes for Detroit. They had great blocking lanes to be able to get down to those defensive linemen and to the second level, and they were putting some real pressure on that second level. How tough is that? One of the things we talk about is that defensive line keeping those linebackers clean, keeping them able to uh, be able to roam, get downhill and make tackles. They had consistent offensive linemen and fullbacks and tight ends in their face all day long, but they were having to try to disengage from them and make tackles. Plus, Detroit was resetting the defensive or resetting the line of scrimmage. They were getting a solid push consistently on our 49ers interior defensive linemen. Hargrave and Armstead, Pinlaw and Givens, and even Sebastian Joseph Day, they were getting moved back at times. Now, Kinlaw, he played pretty good in this game. Kinlaw stepped up, he played well, and they fought as hard as they could against double teams. But it was impressive the way Detroit was doing it. Double team, press the second level, making those second level blocks. And they consistently had the right angles that the 49ers weren't able to get over the top or get underneath and be able to make tackles. Now, 
There were times the 49ers did that, and when they did, it worked out very well for them, including the Tashawn Gibson fumble uh, where he caused the, the strip. He went underneath a Penisol block. Penisol went past him. He didn't expect Deshaun Gibson to be there. So that was one of those second-half adjustments. 49ers weren't being as aggressive going with motion, and he settled in the middle of the field. When Penisol went after Fred Warner, uh, right underneath it, there goes Deshaun Gibson, makes the play, and the run fit perfect execution there. And the funny thing is, Penisol didn't even block Fred Warner. Warner also got there to help. So... Uh, you've seen subtle adjustments like that, and we'll continue to talk about those adjustments because those subtle adjustments to alignment with the D line and linebackers were huge. Uh, just moving over a half a man. So everyone that might not understand, the offensive line, each one of them, center, guards, tackles, uh, there is a certain position that you want to line up on. And they call it a technique. And so you have your zero technique. You have your one, your two, your three. And it's a certain alignment from inside shoulder the head, the you know, outside shoulder, you continue to move down with these techniques. And the 49ers didn't have it right in the first half. Uh, they were lined up in situations that didn't protect their linebackers. Earlier on in the year, this was talked about a lot, marrying the two together, right? The defense looked out of sorts. That's happened a little bit in this game, where those defensive linemen, because of the alignment up front, weren't exactly protecting the linebackers from the angles that Ben Johnson's offense was going to use to block them. And so they had to make some adjustments. It started early in the second quarter, very subtly. By the time you got to halftime, it was very noticeable. And the 49ers definitely played a little bit better. It made it harder for those offensive linemen to get free up to the second level and make blocks on the linebackers. So uh, Steve Wilkes did it there. Chris Kacarek, I'm sure, had a big part in making those adjustments. Uh, the one thing I'll say is just make sure you understand those things early. Guys like Eric Armstead, Javon Hargrave, Nick Bosa, they're all smart enough to figure this out. Alignment is key. And Fred and Dre need to make sure they're protected. Well, those defensive linemen need to get lined up correctly. And part of the way you get lined up correctly, knowing what the strength call is, knowing what the coverage is, knowing where you have more players than the other, and you could really get your guys set up. So that was a problem. The alignment wasn't quite right. And then that threw the linebackers off. And then, you know, Ben Johnson did a really good job of figuring out when the 49ers were in man coverage. Man coverage in the first half was a problem for the 49ers. The third and 12 big run by Jameer Gibbs. Jared Goff comes up to the line of scrimmage. They motion a man across. It reveals that they're in man coverage. So then what he does is he takes Sam Laporta and he puts him over here. That moves Fred Warner over there. He moves Jameer Gibbs to the other side of him. That moves Dre Greenlaw over here. Now, right then, there should have been a sight adjustment for the 49ers defensive line. The linebackers should have moved the defensive line over because you had three guys to that one side where he just moved uh, Greenlaw and moved Warner. One defensive lineman should have moved over. They should have went to a more normal set instead of their pass rush set. Well, so was trying to get three guys over on one side so Bosa uh, could have an opportunity to get home. Right when they did that, they should have adjusted, and they didn't. So that's a subtle adjustment that they need to make moving forward if they see a similar look. But what happened was you get Gibbs going across. The only defender on that other side of the ball is Chase Young in a wide nine, and he has there's extra blockers out there. All the angles were created. Greenlaw and Warner are worried about Laporta and Gibbs in the, in the passing game, and so you have a lot of space. Ends up getting 13 yards in a first down. So you got to give credit to Ben Johnson and to Jared Goff for understanding what they're looking at and taking advantage of what the defense is giving them. 
but we need a little bit more adjustment on the fly from the 49ers. You need to be able to be comprehensive in your thinking and understand what you're looking at. Yes, you have man coverage. Yes, you have to have Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner on Laporta and on Gibbs, but you don't have to have three defensive linemen on one side of the football. Move one to the other side, put him in the one technique, and you would take that play away. Goff would have checked you back to a pass. Yes, your pass rush may not have been as effective as you were hoping it was going to be, but it wouldn't have been a 13-yard run. You would have made them earn it. So those are some of those adjustments. Just like last week, 49ers got caught against Green Bay running man coverage around the goal line. Green Bay ran bunch sets and took advantage, picking first Logan Ryan for a touchdown to the tight end, and then later on, uh, going ahead, it was actually the next play, the two-point conversion, running a rub play again, and this time picking Fred Warner and getting Aaron Jones wide open. So what did the 49ers do this week? They adjusted. A similar look came from the Lions. Only this time, the 49ers are running zone coverage, and they absolutely take it away, and Goff has to throw away the football. So 49ers do learn from their mistakes, and they do learn when things like this go wrong, you have to execute at a higher level. So Fred Warner was very vocal in the second half, moving guys around, telling people to go to the other side, flipping the defensive uh, play from one side to the other. And that's what I need from Fred in the first half. Uh, So, you know, you fooled them once, now you're not going to fool them again. And so that was a big play, and that's why it worked. You're like, oh, you know, everyone's like, oh, they don't expect them to run. Well, you can't expect anything else. You just got to make sure you cover your bases because guess what? If the Detroit Lions were willing to run on fourth, on third and 12, you sure as heck know the Kansas City Chiefs are with Isaiah Pacheco because Andy Reid and uh, Patrick Mahomes believe that even if they got five yards, they can go get it on fourth and seven. So 49ers just got to make sure they're on their P's and Q's uh, when it comes you know, to, to doing that. And then once they move their alignment with their defensive line and their linebackers, uh, it changed the, and they started changing up their responsibilities. When I say changing up the responsibilities, a lot of times the 49ers wide nine, the defensive ends are setting the edge and they're the outside contain. And then everything has to work in. Well, sometimes what Wilkes did in the second half to slow down the run was he went ahead and he shot his defensive ends into the C gap, which is inside. And they went inside the tight end between that and the tackle and took away that C gap and then used uh, either a nickel corner, a linebacker, or a safety in some cases to be the force defender and come up and set the edge for the 49ers. And it worked pretty good. Uh, He didn't do it all the time. He just did it here and there. And that muddied up the blocking for the Detroit Lions, where in the first half, it was entirely defined. This guy's going to be here. This is his responsibilities. I'm going to do this. In the second half, you weren't quite sure what the 49ers were going to do. Case Young might crash. And then you're, you're all of a sudden you're taking him down when you thought you were going to go ahead and kick him out or that you were going to have somebody come trap him. So the 49ers did a good job of being more aggressive with altering their responsibilities to throw off and muddy the blocking scheme of the Detroit Lions. And sometimes when that happens, especially with young players like Sam Laporta, you get some confusion and then you get guys making plays uh, it, you know, when they normally wouldn't have because of their responsibilities. So I thought that was a real good adjustment to why Steve Wilkes was being able to use the responsibility change to muddy it up. He got Tayshawn Gibson in the box. He had him, uh, instead of going, like I talked about earlier, going all the way across the motion, stopping. They weren't expecting that and flooding the middle of the field, him and Fred Warner, and they trusted. I mean, the run, the run to Amon Ross St. Brown, Everyone's like, why did you do that? Well, here's why. It was actually a brilliant design by Ben Johnson. 
So they located that the 49ers were in man coverage again. And so they move Amon Ross St. Brown into the backfield. You know who the middle linebacker or lined up in the middle of, of the linebacker group was? Yamaner Lenore. Greg Greenlaw was out in coverage. Fred Warner was lined up on Sam Laporta. It was Diameter Lenore. Now, luckily for the 49ers, Fred Warner flashed in and made a great play on, on, uh, on, on Amon Ra. And also, Javon Kinlaw had one-on-one and disengaged and made the tackle, getting off Glasgow. It was, a great, it was a great play. But it was a great design. Imagine if the 49ers could get that for Debo. They would absolutely love it because... Having Debo matched up with a nickel corner and having that responsibility to play that linebacker-type role is exactly what the 49ers want. So Ben Johnson dialed it up. Didn't make sense to a lot of people watching. Why are you giving it to Amon-Ra? Well, you like it. You're creating huge holes. Amon-Ra St. Brown, one-on-one with Yamaner Lenore. Sounds good to me. That's a matchup I'm looking for. And the 49ers were able to get through it. So uh, there were some things like that. When he's being aggressive, he took some chances in Steve Wilkes, and the 49ers were able to make the plays that really, really happened. Now, there was still some confusion on the defensive side of the ball. A lot of times, Fred Warner was yelling at players like, what are you doing? You've got to be here. Uh, there were several times that happened in the secondary with Deshaun Gibson as well. We've seen guys having some confusion. And early on in this football game, there's a run up the A-gap. Fred Warner's responsibility in this play was weak A-gap. And when Tashawn Gibson stayed in the box, there was a little bit of movement from the linebackers. The expectation was Fred Warner was replacing. Uh, Dre Greenlaw had outside contain, and they were moving from one side to the other. Oren Burks did not replace and take the A-gap with Gibson taking C. So what you got was Gibson and Oren Burks to C, and you got uh, Fred Warner going to the outside over to the other C-gap. And so the A-gap was wide open. They ran right up the middle for a big play. And Fred Warner got very upset. That's my first tip uh, that, hey, this was not Fred's gap. Fred would have went vertical and been right there, but that he expected Oren Burks to replace and take that gap as the movement and motion happened. So there was a little bit of confusion there at times. Also confusion with Jair Brown and Ambry Thomas. Ambry uh, was supposed to stay outside on one play, and he did not. Uh, that was a problem. Jair Brown stayed in the end zone instead of coming up on an out pattern. That was in the, the last part of the game. And Fred Warner and Deshaun Gibson were both just upset with uh, what was going on. So I think there was still some confusion. You have a young player in Jair Brown playing his first playoff games. And as you get into these complicated schemes, it's a little bit different. And so I thought that there were some communication issues that definitely needed to be worked out. 49ers got to get on the same page of what their responsibilities are. You can't have responsibility gaffes like that because you miss, and the next thing you know, you have an explosive touchdown. So the 49ers were, you know, uh, got a little bit lucky on a couple of those plays, and that's exactly what you have to have. You have to make sure they, they're not able to take advantage of it fully, some of it because you have other guys step up and make plays. In the second half, Wilkes was way more aggressive with his looks, and uh, Warner took care of adjustments. Uh, those were things I, I wrote down was, you know, Wilkes was way more aggressive. One play in particular that just, it got me on film. I saw Dre Greenlaw lined up out wide with Jameer Gibbs. Uh, they motioned in. He sets up. It's, hey, this is man coverage. Everything in it showed man coverage. The way Logan Ryan was set up in the nickel, the way that the Dre Greenlaw was set up, everything showed man. And then as soon as they ran their mesh concepts with their uh, routes going across the middle, 
Logan Ryan and, and Trey Greenlaw were in zone. The four yards were running to cover two, and they absolutely took it away. And so those were the kinds of things that Wilkes did in the second half that we need to see more right out of the gate. Be aggressive. Force the, uh, the, the situation to happen. Force them to make plays. And disguising coverages is huge. One thing he did coming out against Jacksonville was just that. I think the 49ers sat back a little bit too much against Goff. You have to be hyper-aggressive in your coverages, in your attack, and I think that's what the 49ers did once we got to the end of the second quarter, especially into halftime, once they made their adjustments. So that's just one one play they did that, uh, but they, descri- they d- disguised things a lot. And like Chase Young going back in coverage, uh, they, they ran also ran a really cool uh, play later in the game where they put Deshaun Gibson in the robber role, and he took away Sam Laporte over the middle of the field, hit him on, I mean, right, bang, bang, play. Ball comes out for an incomplete pass. So they were doing the cool stuff. It was Mason Ryan come from nickel. He had a deep half, Jair, and then you had Sean Gibson come in and make the play. It was very fun to see, and it was nice seeing that. And once the 49ers got the lead, the stunts up front, the way that they were pass, they had the pass rush going, you could see them getting off the field different. They're better when they're uh, playing from ahead. That 49ers defensive line can absolutely tee off. So it is important for the 49ers to play with the lead. Now we know they can win. They can come back. But you got to make sure you do your best uh, to make things happen. And I can't believe we're still talking about defense. uh, But there was a lot. And there was another thing that I questioned in this game. And I've kind of brought it up during the reaction show. And I still believe it now. Is I don't know why Steve Wilkes didn't match uh, what Ben Johnson was doing with his six offensive linemen with five defensive linemen. Uh, go ahead and, and pull someone off the field, pull Oren Burks off the field, and go with that extra lineman. I know it's not exactly you know the always the best situation, uh, but you were in a, a real disadvantage. They were able to double-team across the board almost uh, against you as far as front-side, play-side blocking. So they did it a lot. They were moving Penesul. And I'm not really worried about the 49ers if they had to uh, putting Nick Bosa or putting Chase Young in coverage against Penesul. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, it could also have been a good time to use Robert Beal and his abilities uh, on the edge. But I would have put five guys out there, Bosa you know, and Chase Young, to go with Hargrave, Kinlaw, and Eric Armstead. It would have been very good against the run. And I think it could have also uh, put a lot of pressure on them to go away from that look early where they ran it almost an entire drive. So that was just something that I noticed that I jotted down. And then I had a little concerns about Jair Brown in coverage. Uh, Jair Brown's a very good player. Uh, and he was coming up and making plays in the run. He tackled pretty good in this game. Uh, don't have any arguments about that. But there was a couple plays in this game where he was kind of frustrating. And one was the flea flicker. And I know he got over the top. And it was the one Ambry Thomas got hurt in the fourth quarter. And I know he was able to get there and, and influence the play. Jamison Williams dropped the ball. But he should have been over the top of that play. He should have been on top of Jamison Williams. But he flattened out early, and then he was slow to get there. Uh, that play could have easily been a touchdown with how he played it. I don't know why he flattened out, but those are the kinds of things that make me nervous about Jair Brown in coverage. The other being a huge conversion to Amon Ross St. Brown. He came up on the buzz. He's sitting there right where he's supposed to be to take it away. And all of a sudden, he flips his hips and turns and runs after Jamison Williams going across and allows Amon Ross St. Brown into that zone for a play. I'm not sure why he did that. He could have just gotten a little bit more depth 
Uh, if, I don't think Jared Goff would even try to throw that football. Gibson was over the top. So I think sometimes he's just not quite getting it exactly where he's supposed to be. The battle being a young player. So there's one avenue I really like him. I like his effectiveness in the run game. I like his tackling ability. I like his aggressiveness. Uh, but I still have some concerns when it comes to him in coverage. And it's not all the time. He's not a liability. Don't get me wrong. He's not a liability. Uh, but there's a couple subtle things like that. And those could have been uh, big pivotal plays in the game. The one could have been a touchdown. And it, it really should have been on top. It should have been an interception, to be honest with you. And then the second one, uh, you know, it's a, a situation where Amon Ross St. Brown for a first down there, it would have been third and long, could have forced fourth and long. Uh, so those were some big plays. Ambry against the run. Ambry Thomas had five solo tackles in this game. Uh, but there's a lot of times he's out of position, doesn't do good as a force defender coming up and helping take away the outside and making them cut in. Uh, so I don't know what's going on with Ambry. This is a different Ambry than we saw four or five weeks ago. Since the hand injury, I feel like he's taking a step back. Uh, so we'll see what the 49ers decide to do with Ambry Thomas. But we need more from him. We need him to play really, really well. He wasn't bad in coverage, so we got to give him credit that way. But he's got to be good in both areas, good against the run and good against the pass. We need Ambry Thomas to do that. Uh, Greenlaw, first half, not pulling the trigger, not going downhill, making those explosive tackles in the run game. Second half, absolutely going downhill, being aggressive. Uh, so I don't know if this is a, the second time I've seen that this season on film. I think he might get in his head about the coverages and the responsibilities he has with Laporta and, and especially with running backs like Jameer Gibbs. And so he's a little slow to pull the trigger on getting downhill in the run game. thought that was apparent in the first half, but I thought in the second half he did a really good job of effectively getting downhill, pulling that trigger, and going and trying to make plays. And I thought that was huge in the second half for the 49ers. Chase Young was good at times, and then times he struggled. Uh, with him, it was Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Uh, first, you know, there were plays he absolutely beast. Throw the port out of the way, boom, make the tackle. Uh, dive inside, turn the play completely in. Huge, get pressure around the outside. And then there were times when it was like, you're slow chasing this play. You're not Cleveland Farrell efforting it. Uh, you're getting thrown up field. Yes, they hit you with two guys, but you're absolutely getting tossed. And so it was like situation where you're like, Chase Young, if you could play the way you played at times the entire game, you would be an absolute force in this league. So I, I think that he has some good qualities. I think Daryl Tapp and Chris Kacarek need to absolutely hammer him this week about, hey, it's a Super Bowl. You need that kind of effort every single play. You need to go out there and make it happen. So there's good things, good things you could build on, uh, but still work to be done for Chase Young. Javon Kinlaw was an impressive uh, player in this game. Just that clear. Uh, did he have a couple bad plays here and there? I think you always do. But, I mean, his film was overwhelmingly good. Thought he battled. He put pressure on Goff. He helped uh, move him off his spot. He played well against the run. Uh, Javon Kinlaw's had himself one heck of a postseason so far, and that's exciting. We're going to need him against Kansas City to make some big-time plays. So bravo to Javon Kinlaw for stepping up. Armstead and Hargrave need to be better at the point of attack. Uh, taking on double teams is not easy. Both of these guys have been dealing with injuries, whether it's Hargrave, who had been working through a hamstring, the Armstead, who we know has foot and knee issues. But they've got to get lower, and they've got to stop these double teams. And if you can't stop the double team, you've got to hold on to these offensive linemen and not let them get to the second level. Because if they're able to freely move you and reestablish the line of scrimmage two yards downfield and then get to the second level, they're going to gas you in the run game. 
So these two guys have to be better. I don't care what you have to do. I don't care if you have to submarine and take these guys out or, you know, and put them on the ground, or you have to just get lower and play lower, whatever you have to do. If it's Hargrave just penetrating, being aggressive and breaking the double team, getting skinny, do it. But you cannot allow this to happen. You can't allow them to get a push and then work the second level. That makes it very difficult for the linebackers. Keep those linebackers fresh and clean where no one is having contact with them, and then they'll make a lot of plays for you. So uh, those guys have to step up. This is the biggest moment, the biggest stage. Hargrave going back to the Super Bowl for the second year in a row. He lost last year. Fresh wounds. He's going to be highly motivated. And Armstead knows, hey, I don't know. This might be, you know, this could be something we do every year, or this could be the last time. Go get it done. And then Logan Ryan played so good in the slot. I mean, absolutely fantastic in the slot. Uh, I love seeing what he did. I thought he was very impactful in how he handled, you know, the the, the defense. Uh, he came in there. It was at last second for him to be able to get in there and make plays, and he did a fantastic job. And that's exactly what you want to see, you know, from Logan Ryan. You want to see him stepping up, making plays, and this is why you bring in a veteran that has his ability, a guy that, yeah, you brought him in to play safety, you brought him in, uh, to be deaf behind Jair Brown, to be deaf behind Deshaun Gibson. Heaven forbid something happens, which it did in Jair Brown's case, and then you were able to kind of move forward. But now you got a situation where everyone, I think everyone, including, my, I mean, I know I did for sure, was expecting for there to be Isaiah Oliver coming in. Oliver is good against the run, but we know uh, he struggles sometimes in coverage. But here comes Logan Ryan, and Logan Ryan steps up and make some big-time plays for the 49ers. He did a good job adjusting. I don't know how many times he's gotten reps playing nickel corner for the 49ers, but I love the fact that they did that. Absolutely fantastic that the 49ers made that huge change on defense. It was great, and that's what you have to do. Adjustments were key to this football game, and they put the offense in prime situation to be able to come back. You have to consistently get stops. You have to consistently make plays. Now the 49ers did that in a very high level today. So that is the defense under further review. I hope you guys all enjoyed the episode. I hope you'll like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already on that push for 5K. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. Offensive under upon further review will be coming your way shortly. Hope you guys will join me for that. All my coaching points on what I see on film. So uh, thank you guys for coming. I'll catch you guys on the next one. Until then, stay safe. Remember the right way is always the 49ers. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.